So here we are, um, another rendition of the How to Kick It podcast. Uh, today's guest is Hagen Quetter, a good friend of mine. Um, Hagen, you want to introduce yourself, tell the people a little bit about you know who you are, what you do? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me, yeah, first of, of all. Uh, <laughs> very happy uh, to be, uh, you said, like the third post- podcast uh, guest. Mm-hmm. I'm really uh, feeling honored about it. And <laughs> yeah, about myself, um, uh, my name is Hagen. Uh, Quetter is the nickname of my last name, yeah. And um, yeah, it's basically, uh, I'm 20, oh no, I'm 31 years old now, sorry. <laughs> Still in the loop. Um, yeah, I'm from Germany. I've uh, been living there for like 26 years, been born in Germany. Um, I'm just having a German citizenship and um, yeah, my parents uh, are like probably the most German. I have probably the most German <laughs> parents you can imagine. <laughs> it's like um, if I go back in all sides, my parents, like they are like super, super German. So they, but they've been actually really cool with me traveling for so long and yeah, uh, maybe also languages I speak, it's not advertising, but I'm German, of course, and English, and I'm teaching German. I don't know if you knew that. I, I had no idea that you were a teacher or a tutor of German. What, uh, what, <laughs> what kind of students are you teaching? Uh, so it actually came up uh, last year in uh, May when uh, COVID hit. And I had nothing to do. I started teaching all kinds of students. Like, uh, but most most likely like B1 level or not B2 level. Um, that they, most of the students, you know, they look for like a, a person to talk to that they don't lose their language skills. And then, of course, to get better as well. Oh, okay. So they're looking to practice what they know and then yeah. also advance yeah, their yeah. skills. That's yeah. awesome. It's more like um, also my, my lessons are more like a conversation practice lesson, not like. But I also do have students, they learn from scratch. So I'm actually quite proud. Yeah, that's a that's a different topic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think teaching is such a underrated skill. Like to be able to convey and share information with people, and then see them like grow and develop from it. I think it's a it's a skill that you know not a lot of people have a strong appreciation for. But it's really cool that you're participating in that. Um, to get back to kind of why we're here today, though, is um, you you've always been such an interesting person to me because of the things that you involve yourself in while traveling. Um, I know you as basically, if I had to sum you up in one sentence, is like a German DJ who loves to surf. And that's kind of how, that's, you know, if you have to put people into a box, that's kind of the box I've always put you into. And, and as I've got to know you better, um, you know, see your social media, what you're doing with your life, I'm like, wow, this guy is like still going. He's still traveling. He's still doing the things he wants to do. Obviously, COVID has changed the scene for a lot of people and delayed a lot of what's going on. But um, when I met you, we met in Bali. You were DJing at a small beach bar. I think it's called, is it Paradise Beach Bar? Yeah, I think it, and, and no, it was uh, Sun, what is it, Sun Paradise or Hidden Beach Bar? One of them, they are next to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Sun Paradise. But there's a there's a whole row of beach bars um, in Chenggu on Brawa Beach. It's one of the best places to be. You can catch a great wave. You can get some nasi goreng. And then you can hear Hagen DJ from, you know, like <laughs> till sunset, which is always cool. Um, yeah, and- yeah, exactly. Yeah, But it's, it's very interesting that you say that because when you say in that way, I think that's actually the same box or like the same words I would wrap myself into. But yeah. 
I think there's much more as you also, as you also know. Like, yeah, of course. Doing doing a lot of different stuff. I mean, there was Wild Bamboo that uh, like it's not uh, was not so uh, successful as I hoped it to to get like, and you know. But starting an own business, being abroad, starting an own business, and you have to deal with all that legal stuff. It was kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, now I'm sitting in Rotterdam and having like a, sitting in a young startup and <laughs> like in the tech startup. And uh, before I was just surfing uh, <laughs> and right. DJing, so right. it's quite interesting. So even for myself, yeah. So obviously, like I know you in the context of a of a beach DJ slash surfer slash somebody trying to start these these different companies. I mean, yeah. what what was your life, you know, in your in your teens and your twenties before you? started living this life abroad like what was your you know tell me about that okay okay cool it's actually it's, it's very um interesting because uh, most people they know me from the last five years they would not expect what i'm saying now but um i think like my teenage years i always tried to be like a little bit a cool boy i did like <laughs> skateboarding break dancing played basketball downhill biking and all this kind of stuff but I never had this feeling to travel and being away from home. And it actually kept going until my very best friend, he he called me one day and he was like, hey, dude, um, you know, like I want to go surfing. And I was like, huh? you always come up with this very, very interesting <laughs> things. And he's like, yeah, I just put it on my bucket list. Um, are you in for a surf trip? And I was like, Dude, I'm a little bit short in money, and at the same time, I was gambling a lot, like it's a bad habit from the past. And um, I told him, yeah, man, I'm short in money, but I'm going to this casino um, in a few days, and let's see how it goes. And actually, I won like one and a half grand, and I called him <laughs> on the parking lot, and it's like, hey, dude, I'm in. <laughs> and and uh, believe it or not, that's actually how it started. So I went with him on this surf trip to uh, Fuerteventura on the Canary Islands. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we did like uh, like we did this like you know uh, surf school with accommodation, like everything is set up. You just go there, you have uh, two lessons a day, you have food, comfortable, yeah, comfortable, yeah. and um, yeah, and um, actually like it, it before you know I was going with my parents or with my mom for holidays to certain destinations like Turkey or wherever you go, like from Germany, it's um, very. Um, like the m most uh, travel destinations, I guess, for like this normal two-week holiday people. Sure. And um, I never really liked the sea so much, you know. Mm. So I would rather have chosen the pool instead of the sea. And yeah, then, uh, yeah, with 20s, yeah, I think 22, I learned surfing. Yeah, and that's where it all completely changed. You know, not to derail this, but there's there's a lot of people I met while living abroad that, a lot of their travel lifestyle or travel reality of living abroad started with a surf camp or a surf school that they spent. Oh, really? Yeah, they spent like two weeks. Like They're like, oh, it's on my bucket list. This is something that I want to do that I never did before. And then they do it and they're like, I can do this myself. Like, I don't need to go to a surf school. I don't need to have everything taken care of. I can pick a location, find a, a cheap accommodation, feed myself do what I want to do. And, um, yeah, I think, I think surf schools are amazing or incredible, but I think what it, what it is is it's kind of like a rite of passage 
for a lot of people in traveling. It, it uh, facilitates all the things they need. Yeah. And then yeah. you kind of learn like, oh, maybe uh, I can do this on my own and, and, and see where it goes. So that's cool. So you went to the surf camp. You obviously got a little bit of independent travel feel. And at what age are you at this time? I think it was 22. 22. 22. It was 22. It was like in summer. Okay. Mm. And from there on, it kind of, yeah, I got hooked. I mean, I think that's the thing about surfing. I think that should be said. Like, either you like it, uh, love it, or you you don't. <laughs> yeah. Or you obsess you or you see. obsess about it. Like, I think that's kind of my problem right now. It's been four years and I'm just like, that's all I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that was for me the same. That's also why I chose my, my travel locations after. So, um, I mean, in Germany, for everyone who doesn't know, like we have like, like it's, it's kind of normal to have like between 27 and 30 days, more likely 30 days um, holidays a year. Mm-hmm. And so if you have 30 days a year, you really need to plan, okay? Because, you know, you also want to go skiing uh, to Austria or to Switzerland. And um, yeah, you really need to, it's basically all about surfing then. Huh? It's like two, two weeks in uh, like in, let's say, Feb. And then another two weeks in August, yeah? and mm-hmm. that's it. Right. And if you want anything else, you got to either be working for yourself or take some time off, like sabbatical from work. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And uh, sabbatical or gap year, mm, I think a lot of people, like nowadays, a lot of people from Germany doing sabbaticals or like just like a, a gap year, mm-hmm. especially what uh, most people probably know is after uh, gymnasium in, in Germany, like uh, if you go like uh, before you go uh, studying, like uh, lots of uh, young kids, they go to Australia for a year and they take a year off where they do like working holiday, traveling a little bit the world before they start yeah. actually getting. What I would is, not call studying too serious, but before. It's serious. <laughs> <laughs> what is what I've heard the word gymnasium used by Germans before and I forget it's, it's a period of time in school, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Here, in, I was surprised here in, in the Netherlands, where I am right now, here in Rotterdam. Uh, so in, in, in the Netherlands, they have the same. It's basically after you go, we go to like, of course, elementary school. And from there you go to like kind of uh, after elementary school, you kind of like have the choice where you go to like low, mid or gymnasium. And that's where where you go. And with the gymnasium, you're, a, you're actually able to study straight away after gymnasium. If you do other school grades, you have to do like a, a few more steps to be able to study and you cannot do it in universities, like in official universities. Right. So gymnasium is how old are you? Like 13, 14, 15? Uh, mm, I think, wait, from the fourth, like uh, fifth grade it starts and it oh, goes, okay. I think they, they shorten it down a little bit. I think now it's until like the 11th or 12th. Oh, okay. That makes more yeah, sense. Yeah. So we, we, yeah. would, and then, we would call that like... Then, so 11th, 12th grade, you're probably like 16, 17 or what? 17, I guess. And then you go studying. Uh, okay. Yeah, we we still I think we still call that grade school, and then we used to have junior high. I don't know if they really call it that anymore. And then high school, then university, which people in America will also call college. College and university, the same, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get a little bit confused always with the American um, yeah system, the school system. I really, I mean, I I never really watched many series or TV shows, so I don't even know it from there. That's where probably most of the people in Germany know the American school system <laughs> from is 
Yeah, I mean, being, most probably from TV shows. Being uh, somebody who's yeah. gone through the American school system, it's it's confusing for me as well. So don't yeah. <laughs> don't feel out okay. of line. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to know also like where you've been since. So twenty two, you went on the surf trip, and from there, at least when I know you, you spent a lot of time living abroad in different countries and different places. You know, give me give me the short list. Like, where have you been, and and what yeah, brought yeah, you there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was exactly like like a month ago. It was on the fifteenth, so one day after um, Valentine's Day, uh, five years ago. I, I start traveling, and um, it was Thailand with friends. So it was a very uh, easy entrance for traveling to go because it was the first time um, going far abroad. Mm-hmm. And so I went with six friends to Thailand for three and a half weeks. It was mayhem. <laughs> Can you imagine with your sex, six six best friends from uh, from 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 Germany go there for uh, three weeks vacation yeah. and from there I went to Bali for like a month then Australia and I stayed in Australia for like uh, three months or so and then I went back to Bali for another four then and Fiji's uh, yeah, I went to the and I'm back to Australia then to the Fiji's uh, Back to Bali, so it was a lot of Bali, as you can hear. Yeah, and, of course. Um, yeah, and after like this long period of Bali, where I felt like home, and I think it still like um, feels like. If if you would ask me where do you feel home or where is home, I would still say Bali, Chengdu. Right, right. Um, uh, it's crazy. I haven't been there for one and a half years, and I still have this feeling, you know, when you sometimes I'm a very um, I have very intense dreams and then you're in your dreams and I can smell it and I know the roads and I'm there like I can I could basically be myself there right now and I know everything it's a small island you know it right oh yeah I spent I think almost a year and a half there all together um, yeah and I know the exact feeling of it's like a second home um I think when you spend that much time there you you end up having a different relationship with it than just being on a holiday because you meet the local people and you understand what it really means to like respect the land and respect the people and you become invested. And all of a sudden you really feel like part of the community and you have like the local community and the international community. And yeah, talk about seeing it, smelling it, tasting it. It's, it's still a very strong feeling and still a very strong memory in my mind. Um, yeah, man, I'm getting actually a little bit emotional. I know you're making me <laughs> sentimental too. I'm, I'm just having flashbacks now. Yeah, man, it's um, it's really. Um, I think it's very hard to wrap in words, but um, what you say, like these different communities you have, because um, Bali is, it's like um, how do you say, like a medal with two sides? Can you say that? I think, like you know, you have this side of like localish and very beautiful island, and then you have this massive expat community, mm-hmm. which is split in not so. <laughs> Uh, like not the people I would like to hang out with personally like these cool kids and like you know like partying a lot like I did also a lot of partying but it's always about the respect to the to the um, to the people and yeah the behavior yeah and then there's this expat group people living there and being really integrated in everything yeah so um, yeah and uh, man I don't know uh, if if you if you if you've been ever in Asia you know that if you arrive, you arrive in the airport, you leave the airport building, 
and you just smell, you know, you're in Asia mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you can you can feel it, you can sense it before you even get off the airplane. You know, that humidity mm-hmm. permeates the wall of the airplane, and like you're inside the plane, and you're like, it's already very humid here, and I just, yeah. it's a feeling I love because it's like I'm back. You know, it's it's a yeah. place that I really enjoy being, um, which is so strange because my whole youth. I never set foot in Asia. I didn't set foot in Asia till I think I was like 26 years old, 27 years old. And for that to feel more like home than a place that I grew up in, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's ex- ex- exactly what I mean. I mean, imagine um, I've been there in a total, like in the total amount, like it was, I think, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've spent there over like four and a half years. So it was... Oh, was it? Well, no, it was more. I think it was like, uh, I just have to do my math. <laughs> so, um, no, it was, I think, three years over four years uh, or three and a half years over four years. So I've spent a little bit time in Australia, a little bit on the Fijis, but most of the time I really spend in on Bali. And imagine after spending like three or three and a half years in one place and you had this feeling after one and a half, imagine after three and a half. I I I literally honestly I thought okay this is like my place I get old and not like I'm growing old and die there but uh, you get the idea no it was really serious like okay I cannot deal with not living there anymore yeah there's there's a lot of bonuses to living there obviously the quality of life um is is yeah. higher I think you're able to have an impact on your local community I remember when I would need, you know, accommodation or motorcycle rental, I would not only just, you know, pay for the service, but you you develop a relationship with the people that you're renting from and, and working with. And it's cool because it's, it feels very genuine there. It feels very, you know, they ask you about where you're from and all of a sudden you have a friend that you still talk to via WhatsApp or Facebook yeah, and you yeah, check yeah, in yeah, and exactly, see how the family's exactly. doing and... Um, talking more about the expat community mm-hmm. for people listening it, you know, you, we can lump it all together and say there's a huge expat community, but the expat community is so big that there are so many groups. You can always find a community of people that are into the same things that you're into. Um, you have the content creators, you have the yogis, you have the spirituality people, you have, like you said, the party people, you have the influencers, you have the retired people that don't want to do much. They just hang out, go to dinner. You have, and I can't even name them all, but it's, it's such an interesting place of creatives, um, and people living their first life, people living their second life that, yeah, it's it's a very all-inspiring place. I I see myself going back there. I'm not sure exactly when, but mm. um, you know, there, there's so many moving parts in one's life. It, it sometimes is hard to just take off and go. And and that's that's something I want to talk to you about. Is that there's so many mm. people that have a feeling of wanting to explore and take a holiday or take three six months off, and they don't do it. Um, what, I mean, what pushed you to, obviously when you started living abroad, you didn't say, okay, I'm going to go spend four years abroad and then I'm going to come back to Europe. You were like, I'm going to go and see what happens. And that turned exactly. into, that exactly. turned into four years. Yeah. Yeah. There was not even a time frame. you know, it's just like, 
I sold everything and that was actually a big step. You know, when I decided, okay, I want to surf and I want to surf a lot. And if I want to surf a lot, I cannot live in Germany. So I've made a plan. Okay, where can I go? And where would be the best, huh? like uh, where it's easy to work, where it's easy to how, you know, not easy, but um, convenient. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And um, and then I decided, hey, um, with German nationality, you have a very big privilege. You get very quickly a uh, working holiday visa in Australia. Um, so I was like, OK, Australia was never on my plan, uh, like was never no, never on my route, to be honest, but then I was like, okay, Australia, I can surf, I can work, I can stay there for two years. It's not just like, um, you know, you go to Bali, burn all your money, your savings within six months, and then you're home with nothing, kind of. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sounds good, sounds great. And I sold everything I had. Like I sold my car, I sold my furniture, I sold everything. And then I was just like, okay, I go. And it was planned with my friends in Thailand. It was planned. But from there on, you know, they asked me like the day before I like they went back to Germany and I went to Bali. I mean, it was I knew I go to Bali because of surfing. And they're like, but hey, where do you go? It's like, I have no idea. It's like, but which area do you go? It's like, I have no idea. So <laughs> I just landed on the airport. Of course, I did like a little bit of research and I took one of the taxi drivers, <laughs> whoever were, <laughs> whoever been to Bali already, like they know, like uh, the people were, <laughs> it's like taxi, taxi. Yeah. And I say, yeah, I want to uh, go. And they brought me to Kuta and from Kuta, I was like, no, no way. And, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, but um, yeah, that's um, basically, uh, you know, it's just like always, you have to find, like, why do you want to travel? Where do you want to travel? And, yeah, I think you need to just find your, your own way, yeah. your own path. A hundred percent. And and what's funny is some people that will be listening to this will hear the idea of, oh, I sold everything and I just left as a completely outrageous thing to do. It's something they can't wrap their head around at all. And then you'll have another community of people that will be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly how you do it. Because it's like, it's like going, it, it's, it's a big part of starting the journey is getting yeah, rid no of stuff. Back. Yeah, I think that's, there is no way back. If you sold your stuff, there is uh, no point of return. Like, it's, it's impossible. Like, right. you would be dumb and losing your face in front, in front of your <laughs> friends when you would start buying new stuff and it was like, no, I stay here. <laughs> yeah. It's, so you have to. It's completely like 10 steps backwards because when you, when you take the initiative to sell everything and you've made the commitment, like you said, you, you have to go. You leave yourself no other option. Um, and I would say 99% of the time, people are happy with that decision. Obviously, I'm sure there's somebody who was like, ooh, maybe that wasn't the move for me. But I mean, what, what compelled you? Like, obviously, you lived a life that, let's say, typical Germans live up to a certain point, And then something in you changed and you said, I need to leave. So if you, if you can even remember, because it's been quite some time, what was it's that was break? What was it the was It was surfing what catapulted you? Because you can't surf that much in Germany, right? Only ri yeah, river yeah, surfing? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe that also for, um, as a background. Like, you know, in Germany, if you want to go to, you can go to France, but it's not so far away, but it's also not that you just jump in the car and you drive three hours and you are there. Um, I'm, I'm or like I'm born and I grew up in the in, in close to Stuttgart in southwestern part of Germany, 
Mm-hmm. So you're a little bit landlocked, yeah. So you really um, every time, and if if you then go for your two weeks vacation, you want to go where somewhere where it's nice. So you fly to Portugal or the Canary Islands. Actually, that's uh, something. It's also maybe for the surfers listening to this. Um, I found the Canary Islands a pretty a pretty sweet spot to to surf. It's very interesting. It was um, it was pretty good. Yeah, I learned in this time, but um, it's been big. It's been nice. It's been um, quality waves. What's yeah. the What's the price point out there? Like, how does it compare? Like, is it expensive or cheap, or can you find your way? Yeah, I mean, you can find your way, but um, like I said earlier, like when when we went there, it was more like uh, convenient. Like we went to a surf camp because before, um, so we went a few times with friends uh, to surf camps. So everything was set up. You just book like a package. What I think, you know, for the beginning, if you if you want to get out the first time, like, you know, you go somewhere, you want to maybe surf experience. And it's not just about surfing. Even if you book a surf camp, it's the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's the people you meet. It's this complete different um, mindset of what you have in your work environment. You know? It's, it, um, it, it, I don't know, it just... Even I, I saw people staying in the surf hostels or like in this like surf camps. They didn't even surf much and they not been into surfing too much, but they did it again and again because they liked the vibe, you know, they liked the, the surf. And price point, um, therefore, I cannot tell. Like back in the days, I think we like seven years ago, we paid like for 10 days, a thousand, a thousand two hundred euros. Mm. But, you know, it's like two times they surf uh, coach, uh, coaching, um, food is included, accommodation is included. No, food not, sorry. Food you have to cook yourself. But um, yeah, it's been also nice places. Um, yeah, altogether it was probably like 1,300, 400 with the flights. Yeah. For like 10, 14 days. Yeah. What's, what I think is interesting about the surf camp is that I, I've never personally done one, but I used to, when I was living in Bali, I lived next door to one. And I would meet mm-hmm. some people that had stayed there. Um, and what also was interesting is I met people that w- did the surf camp a few years, maybe even four or five years before, and then they ended up coming back, but they didn't do the surf camp. They just stayed at the place that I was staying at, which was next door to the surf camp because they had yeah. become familiar with it. But there's there's so many um, formidable times in your life. A lot of people, they remember high school as a very formidable time. They remember college as a time that shaped a lot of their opinions and, and who they are and, and what their attitude about life is. And then I think traveling or not just a two-week holiday, but you know, taking some time outside of the country for three to six months to a year to, to like in your case, four years, that's another opportunity where you get to grow and change your perspective. And I can't tell you the surf camp again and again is usually the first step to this whole thing. I've met so many people that said, oh yeah, five years ago, took a surf camp, met all these people from all around the world, still friends with them today. And now I live in X country because I realized that living abroad is not something that's that crazy. It's not that difficult. If you have the right tools and enough interest to do the research, you can live wherever you want. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a wealthy, super rich person um, lifestyle. And I think in America, we really connect travel with money. And that's just not the case. I just, I, I encourage everybody that's like graduating college, if you have some time, take six months, 
and just enjoy your youth because yeah, no matter how much money you make in your life, you can never buy your youth back. And I think people yeah, need to exactly. take advantage. And what is, what is uh, to, to, you know, it's like, I think it's also sometimes nice or good to talk about how much it costs. It doesn't cost you much to live abroad. Mm -hmm. um, it's depending to your standards for sure. Yeah. That's, I think, the most, uh, the biggest um, influence to how much money you spend. But, um, you know, living in Bali, I used to have like pretty high standard, I would say. Not like fancy throwing money, but, you know, I had like a nice place. I always ate out like three times a day, the biggest. That's, that's something, you know, when I tell my friends or like um, on a date or something and you talk about traveling and then it's like you have no imagination if you live there and you have let's say the privilege and you have some savings or you have a job where you can work and travel in the same time and you earn okay money and if you it's okay money in europe then it's a decent money to live in asia for um you know i i spent maybe let's say 1100 euros a month uh, um, with a very good, and that's what I wanted to say. Like, with, if you if you talk to friends or a date or whatever, and he's like, yeah, um, they never got this. And I said, like, my biggest thoughts or worries in the morning when I woke up is, where am I going for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling, and I know there's people <laughs> listening to this right now, and they're like, I know exactly what he's talking about. Um, yeah, and, and just to let people know, that's all inclusive. That is the you know your motorcycle rental. That is your accommodation. That is all your expenses. That I think three times food a day outside. Quality nice food. quality food, food from around the world. If you can think of it, they have it in Bali. Um, there there are other cities and other countries that can do the same thing. It all depends on where your interests lie. Maybe you're more of a city person. I know Bangkok can be very affordable and you can have anything your heart desires in that city. I have friends Sri live Sri Lanka. I have friends living in Sri Lanka doing a similar lifestyle to Bali. I have friends in China. Um, I have friends even living in different parts of Europe because they find, you know, the places that speak to them, but you got to allow yourself the time to physically go and do the research and, uh, yeah, yeah man, it's just, oh, you're getting me all fired up. Like when, when, but, <laughs> when these borders open, man, we're going, we're going to meet up yeah. and we're going to catch dude, some waves Sri Lanka, again. I mean, Sri Lanka have been the latest place where I've been. So after like, um, four years, man, it was like four years, almost Bali, you know, um, I left, um, actually it's quite interesting story. I left for a girl, <laughs> not because of her, but you know, it was like kind of a little bit connected and I said, like, yeah, okay, I go to Germany. I also felt, okay, Bali is not the right place anymore. Then I met her. So it made it easier to leave like two months early as it was planned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how life sometimes goes. And I decided to go to Berlin and, um, as a DJ, really connected to music and art as well. So, you know, it was like really cool and I stayed three months I actually never met the girl again it was like this Bali story yeah, I never met her again <laughs> I went to Berlin we never saw each other I just got my suitcase she put back to Germany for me but I took back to Germany for me but um, and then I went to Sri Lanka um, it was in January 2019 so um, right before all this um, COVID stuff happened and man Sri Lanka was cheap like if you really want you can live with 600 euros easy mm-hmm that's insane. You, and, you went um, just this last year, 2020, 2019? Uh, 2020, yeah, 2020, yeah. That was um, 6th of Jan, 
2020, I went to Sri Lanka, stayed there for like two and a half months. And what I wanted to say, because we talked about food, I, uh, you know, they have good food. They have also internationals. They have Australians setting up hostels where you get like good food and like you have this like fancy places. Have you been but to I, the, did you go to the doctor's house? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Shout out to the, the doctor's, doctor's house. That place is and, awesome. Uh, Saturdays. Yeah, I love that place, man. So yeah, I spent three weeks in uh, Sri Lanka and all I felt was like, man, I wish I would have spent longer here. Yeah, but dude, it got a bit, when I was there, like doctor's house, um, it, there was some problems with, uh, uh, you know, the local stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the the, um, the experts there, so um, they were not allowed to sell alcohol anymore. No so way. Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting. So um, tell people, tell people a little bit about the alcohol situation in Sri Lanka and how you have to go to the the barred window and the it's kind of like <laughs> it's like a bank. You have to go to the bank to buy alcohol. Yeah, and you feel it's a little bit a shady feeling, right? So mm-hmm. it's imagine, um, yeah, imagine this like kind of like yeah, I don't know. It's like a bank. Yeah, it's just like a counter on the bank. Like there's a glass, there's bars. And then you go there and it's really rough also, like the people pushing and like try to get like in front of you in the, in the, in the queue and like, yeah, it's, uh, and then you're there like, yeah, yeah, free beers. And then they get to go to the, to the shelf and get the free beers out or to the fridge and give it to you. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It has like kind of a, it's a shady feeling in my opinion. Yeah. You, you feel like you're buying like, uh, like drugs or you kind of yeah, feel exactly. like you're buying like a, a gambling ticket, you know, like at a horse was, race or something. I was about to say that, you know, when you gamble and you when you change your chips to money. Yeah, it kind of feels like, like that. This like I hope no one sees it, and then you do it, and then you just disappear, and yeah. then you're on the slot machine, and no one would see. Of course, they see you as well, but you know, you don't have this feeling like this awkward feeling standing there (laughs) no and you also have to plan because they only have certain hours that they're open so like you have to go before they close because they close pretty early yeah i'm not sure if if i think it was like eight or nine yeah Yeah. but i remember we and then it's like every what is it like new moon or half moon they don't sell alcohol because it's like um in hindu it's um it's like a it's like a holiday yeah it's like a sacred day you have to check your calendars and there's always something going on Yeah, but you can get alcohol. It can be done. It's not impossible. And it's cheap. Yeah. Did you have, what is, what is, they have lion. Wine. They have lion beer, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like a good lion. I haven't had one in a long time. Yeah, I would love to have one right now with you, but uh, I think we have to wait for that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll crack a lion one of these days. Yeah. Sometime yeah. soon. Yeah, and uh, what I wanted to say, and after that, I went to the Maldives, actually. And that's also something um, for surfing. Everyone who likes to surf, loves to surf, go to the Maldives, baby. It's incredible. It's really, really good. It's expensive. Um, I had like, that's also part of traveling, I think. As more as you travel, as more people you get known. So you have friends from all over the world. And it's also as long, like it depends, of course, to your personality. But as long as you're away, as more like open-minded you get and like people also being in that same state of mind kind of you connect very well so there's things rocking up for me i've been on the maldives for like a paid surf trip it was ridiculous expensive 10 days maldives surf was yeah it was a few good days but like if you're 10 days there and you spend shit lots of money you expect a little bit more than four good days Mm -hmm. um 
And then in, you know, in Sri Lanka, I was like, hey, I text the captain because in Sri Lanka, actually surf was really disappointing there. And then I texted the captain from this uh, surf charter and I was like, hey, dude, like pff, I'm getting tired here in Sri Lanka. Uh, can I come over? And he's like, yeah, yeah, come over. And then I ended up working there as the photographer on the boat. And I kind of, you know, um, I managed to, I paid like a little m amount of money, um, but I kind of stayed for free on the boat. Mm -hmm. And dude like two months on the Maldives for free you can you shoot take photos for like two hours a day three hours a day then you edit a little bit but the rest of the day you can surf yeah and you so. were you were living on a boat the whole time yeah 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 but that was actually when COVID hit so I went there and I stayed like one month one and a half months and then I basically authorities told me that I have to leave the country Still, all my stuff is back in Sri Lanka. I have like a 60 liters backpack in Sri Lanka. DJ equipment is there. Skateboard is there. And um, because the plan was uh, having like doing that gig on the boat on this surf charter for like two to three months. And after um, go back to Sri Lanka, um, I was actually thinking about settling in Sri Lanka and opening something because it's um, um, I think if you want to invest money and start your own business, Sri Lanka is the spot too. it's like upcoming Bali. Um, and I've yeah, heard, I've yeah, heard never, multiple people say that before. What, what area of Sri Lanka were you thinking of? Um, especially a uh, Midigama, uh, Willigama, I found already a little bit too much in, for me, for my, um, yeah, for my taste, but Midigama was pretty good. Midigama clock tower, there's, um, lazy left, mm -hmm. the wave cyan is pretty good. Yeah, it's okay, surf. I mean, I was a bit disappointed. It's more like longboarding waves, but yeah, it was it was a nice area. It was good vibes. Cool you gotta people. you gotta get up north to uh, Aragon Bay. That's where. Yeah, it was not the season for it because uh, Sri Lanka is um, split. Even it's such a small island, um, it's split, and it has like six months uh, mm -hmm. dry period on southwest, and then it's switching to northeast. So switching and the season switch is in April, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you and it's, like six, it's, it's actually right six months, six months. So you can, I think it's nice from November until April in the Southwest. And then um, after April, it's good in Arugan Bay. Yeah, it's pretty much like six months north, six months south. But yeah. I, I'm not sure if it's the same for a German passport, but for American passport, you can get a six-month visa, like, no problem. You basically just fill yeah. out a form and show up, and, like, boom, you can stay for six months, which is a long time because most countries only give you a month or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that was, um, I think, in general, um, Sri Lanka, they um, lifted this um, visa fee. So you usually pay like a $30 visa. It, it's really depending from which country you are. So your citizenship, your, the pa passport you're holding, how much you pay. That's already a little bit like you. <laughs> um, but um, so in this time, it was for free. So it was two months. Sri Lanka said, hey, we don't charge any visa fees. And it was like, okay, I mean, I don't care about $30 visa fee. Um, but maybe that's something about the extension. That was an experience from Bali. You have to go to an agent. Then you have to go to the immigration. You have to go there two times. Then you get back your passport. Um, it's not such a hustle, but if you do it the first time, it feels like sketchy. And do you get your passport back? And... You know that feeling, I think, right? You're talking about the process in uh, yeah. Bali. Like, it's not a big deal, but if you do it the very first time, it seems like shady and you don't know what to do. And, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, do you get your passport back if you just leave it with an agent because everyone told you back home the the the, the thing you never do is give away your passport <laughs> and then you give it to this like agency um, and if you think now agency it's like kind of a nice building no it's most probably not this is, looks more like a bit of shady place yeah. and in Sri Lanka it was super cool so you basically send an email um, to like the authorities and then they sent you back like um, um, like a little document you email it back I think that's how it was and then they um, and you have to put an address and um, there's also like an attached um, sheet like that where you stay and how long when you entered and this and blah 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 so they send a courier to this place you tell them and they send someone, they pick up your passport with the document, like with all these like questions, answer, like answer questions. And uh, when they receive that, they send you via email, they send you a code. Then you go to the bank, you pay right away the money to the bank. So it's an instant transaction. And uh, then you send them an email with like the, with the receipt and then they process and you have it back within like another day so the whole process takes like three days and it's just like really hands-off kind of like yeah you have to mm. fill it out print print a piece of paper fill it out and you have to go to the bank yeah, that's it that's pretty that's, that's pretty good um yeah a lot of people are always told never give up your passport never give anybody your passport always yeah. keep your passport and unfortunately, that's just not the case. In Thailand, they almost always take your passport when you rent a scooter or a motorcycle. In Bali, immigration is going to take your passport for maybe a week or two weeks if you're going to do a two-month visa. And exactly. it's you got to let go, people. It's okay. But They're going to give you your passport back. It's not the end yeah, of the world. I mean, it depends to who you give your passport, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to be have your wits about you. But ninety percent of the time, like that's it's part of the process. And uh, we just feel like if somebody gets your passport, it's the the scariest thing in the world. But it's it's yeah. fine. But it's also, I think, it's good to know for everyone out there. Um, if you give away your passport, take a picture of it. 100%. You should take a picture of almost every document, every credit card, yeah. every piece yeah. of ID that you have um, just in case something happens. Because these days a, a picture of a document is almost as good as the document. Exactly. Exactly. In Indonesia, you can even travel within the country um, with the copy of your passport. So if you have a picture of your passport, you can travel within Indonesia without any issues. Yeah. Right? Um, I actually, I was um, extending my visa in Bali. And I was gonna go. Mm -hmm. to, I was gonna go to Lombok for a couple weeks. So I was flying from Bali to Lombok, which anybody who's done that flight, it's like what 15, 20 minute flight, something pretty short. And mm -hmm. I'm, at, I'm at the counter checking in, giving them my surfboards, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we need your passport." And I said, "Oh, I don't have my passport. I just have my California ID, which I don't know how many California IDs they see that often, but." I said, I'm just going to use this. And they're like, oh, no, like we need a passport. And I, and I had to tell them, I said, no, it's at immigration getting extended. This is a domestic flight. I'm not leaving the country, so this will be fine. And they kind of just looked at each other and shrugged their shoulders. And they're like, okay, <laughs> and just like, <laughs> let me go. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is fine, you know. But um, I, have a, I have a quick 
quick thing to share with you about Sri Lanka and just yep. just the things that, that we think are so true sometimes. So I was with an English friend of mine. We left Bali to go to Sri Lanka to meet up with um, a group of Swedish friends. And we had um, just a small bag. And basically, we were going to leave. Did we land or we left? We were... I can't remember. Anyway, we were in, you know, no, we were in Sri Lanka and we had to go um, to check in. And they said, oh, before we can let you into the country, you have to book a flight out of the country. Yeah. And I, I know I hate it when they say that to you. So, yeah. so he, he goes up first to the counter and he's your typical English guy, way too polite, super nice. They tell him this and he goes, oh, okay, okay, okay. And he just walks off and he's on his phone trying to find a cheap ticket out that he can like cancel later and just to show the document. And I go up and I did this thing, which I call being super American, where I was just being very hard headed and not loud, but just, just like I didn't understand almost like kind of playing dumb. And I said, mm -hmm. I don't know how long I'm going to stay. I don't need one. Go please talk to you. I was being a Karen. They call it in America. I was like, go talk to your manager. I don't, it's like, I know I don't need this. Super American. Super, super American. super American. And inside, I hate myself this whole time because I'm like, I love this country. I love these people. Like, why am I being such an asshole? But I don't want to get a ticket because I know I don't need this ticket out of the country. So same thing. They kind of look at each other and they're like, okay, fine, go on through. <laughs> and they just let me in. And it's like they, they different countries and different um, immigration places, they try to really pitch this sense of like security and we're checking all these details and we know 100% of what's going on. And at the end of the day, they're like, nah, just go for it. You don't, you look harmless, you know, so mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's how it goes sometimes, right? Yeah. But that's always the thing. They put pressure on travelers. They always want you to have a ticket out of the country. But a lot of times when you're traveling long periods of time, you don't know when you're going to leave. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the that's the point. You know, that's um but I get um you know what is connected to it's connected to that the country, if you are not able to afford a flight out of the country, the country is responsible to get you out of there. Exactly. So and that's and that's the point, and I get that because uh many people would stay there longer as their savings last and I mean you have that in Bali nowadays a lot. It's people, they're in miserable situations. They stay there maybe for too long, maybe also like having some, I would say, mental issues. Yeah, So they can maybe not stand the truth that they have to leave and then they stay longer and uh, then they maybe start stealing or, you know, doing like all this weird stuff. Um, and then they, they, they miss the point where they can leave because they, then they don't have money anymore. And then um, it's up to the country to have to pay you to get out of the country. What I think it's, um, yeah, understandable. Yeah, I've, I've heard different deportation stories. I've heard some crazy ones. I have a friend of a yeah. friend. His, his dad was kind of a shady figure, I guess. And he ended up overstaying his visa in Thailand. And I was like... Oh, that's interesting. Like, how long did he overstay? Like a week, a month? And he's like, no, he overstayed for five years. <laughs> I was like, my God, five years, what happens? And it's like, it's a, it's a serious crime. He went to, he went to the yeah, jail. No, yeah, he went to jail in Thailand. And Holy then, shit. yeah, and yeah. then I won't say the home countries, but he got deported from Thailand to his home country. And then he had to go to jail in his home country. 
Yeah, but, yeah, that's uh, exactly, and that's what happens next. It doesn't mean that they, if they deport you, it doesn't mean that you're not facing the the sentence, right? So you just face it in your own home country. Exactly, that's, exactly. And I mean, sometimes they won't deport you. Sometimes they just keep you. Um, mm-hmm. Please, whoever, again, who's listening to this, do your research on the countries, do your research on drug laws, do your research oh, yeah. on all these things because there are countries that have very, very harsh and strict rules. Talking about like Indonesia S- is one of them. Indonesia, Sri Lanka, well. Sri Lanka Singapore. It's really you, you don't need to bring drugs into a country. Don't do it. I don't recommend it. If you really, really are looking for something, you could probably find it when you get there, but like spare yourself the danger of doing something like that because I've read so many articles of people that have gotten in serious trouble and dude i have friends in jail not one i have a few friends in jail abroad and that's not fun um it's uh you know it's like um i think everyone can do whatever he wants but like you said really take care of it don't bring drugs into the country and even there just try not to you know if you do it at home you know the laws you know but when you're in another country of course you can pay yourself off yeah. yeah, you can bribe the police a lot, like it works. But if you don't know how, you will not find the sweet spot to do that if it comes to a certain point, and that will get you into big trouble. And um, I just talked to my friends on the weekend here, and they had a friend here from the Netherlands. They had a friend from the Netherlands. Um, he had accidentally something in his pocket. Yeah, it was actually, you know, it was really like it was in his pocket. It was not. He didn't want to take it. He spent nine months in jail in Indonesia. Wow. In, uh, yeah, you don't want that. Um, he came home and he was not the same person anymore, as you can imagine. I can only imagine my... Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but maybe also to... Um, um, I wanted to... Um, there you go. It's already really deep. Um, what I wanted to say, like maybe also something I can recommend. If you need flights out of the country, so you put in Google, I can not, like I'm on my work computer, so I don't know the exact website. There is websites where you can create fake flight tickets. So you look up a flight, then you put it in there. And of course, that's not the legal way how to do it, but that's a trick around for those they don't want to buy a ticket because I know it's a pain Mm -hmm. um, to get through this process. Uh, you can uh, you can create like a kind of a ticket online yeah um, you, you put in the same please do that because they will check sometimes and you can put in the same data uh, from original flights they go and then you have that ticket so you don't have to just buy one and then waste it yeah because it's wasted money in the end because right. most of the times you buy a cheap flight you let it go and even if it's 30 bucks it's not necessary to spend 30 bucks especially if you're on a on a yeah, let's say on a on a light, uh, on a small wallet. Small wallet, a small, budget. Yeah, exactly. On a small yeah. budget. So the web, there's a website you're talking about where you can basically, it's almost like photoshopping a fake flight ticket out of the yeah. country. So there's that option. There's also another service where you can uh, buy tickets from this website and they'll basically, they give you a return option and you just have to check the box and it's only like five euro or maybe five dollars. Yeah, it's like a buy and dump ticket. Exactly. Like that. So that's a good yeah. option. And then what you can also do if you don't want to do anything that is, I don't want to say illegal because I don't think these things are illegal. They're just. No, it's not. It's, it's, yeah. it's not legal. So it's, right. you know, that's also, sorry, sorry. 
because no, <laughs> it's not legal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last option, I think, is probably the safest option for people is just go ahead and buy the flight insurance on your ticket. That way you'll be able to change the dates or modify the ticket when you actually know that you want to go. It's, it's a most expensive option, but it will be cheaper than burning a whole flight ticket and not using it because, yeah, you know, yeah. somebody said that you had to have one, which, again, uh, yeah. it's not true. Man, I met people are desperate on the airport and then they bought like a ticket for like 400 euros. And I was like, why, why didn't you buy a ticket like from, 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 from Bali to Singapore? That would be enough already. And then I, oh yeah, I booked just one home. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you let that flight go. Like this is 400 euros you burn. Yeah. And, well, because they, yeah. they, they don't always compute. They think like, oh, I have to leave this country and go back to my country. It's like, no, you just have to leave this country and go to a country. You, you know, like pick the closest country with the cheapest flight. And uh, again, this is something that comes from experience. This is coming from making mistakes and this is coming from the community. And that's kind of what I'm hoping we can share and talk about um, on this podcast is, you know, how do we save some people some time, save people money and, and get them to jump off and, and go experience the world uh, before it's too late, you know, before you either get too old or you have too many kids or too many commitments um, you know, you got to do this well, you stuff. just get too old, man. I can <laughs> feel it. Like I'm, I'm turning older and I have this feeling for some reason to settle a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. It's really strange. Like for me, it's something, it's becoming a little bit more and more like, uh, but yeah, I mean, well, to all those ladies listening, Hagen might be looking for a, for a wife. Just <laughs> FYI. I'm actually, I'm. I'm actually single for quite a while, and I think uh, that will I will also uh, stay single and just uh, enjoy my life. Uh. Yeah. All you got to do is <laughs> you got to find a, a, a what do you call it a, a girlfriend that surfs. If you can find that, I think you'll be a, a happy right. camper. Yeah, no, but I was pretty unlucky with them. Um, but uh, <laughs> to another, um, what I want to jump to another recommendation. What um, is I think a lifesaver, and it's cheap really cheap compared to how much hustle it saves you whenever you um, travel to a country it's enough if you do it in the airport before you before you take your flight just check how to get a sim card for your phone mm -hmm. because if you have a sim card you in asia it's pretty easy i mean of course there's countries where it's not so um not easy cheap um in asia it's really cheap i don't know about south america never been um but it's, it's super cheap and you have internet. So if you have a questions, if you have a translation problem, if you need to find a way, you, even if it's 20 bucks, what is 20 bucks? It, because it saves you so much hassle. And usually um, the data is enough to cover you for a month. And you pay, um, what is it in, 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 in Indonesia? It was like... Seven euros, and you have like 30 yeah. gigabyte. Or I, I used to get all the data I needed for a full month for about seven US dollars. Yeah, exactly. That's and I think it. I even had more than I needed, which was, yeah. you know, great. Um, and then to, to all the Americans, I, I don't know if they do this in Europe, but we have a lot of contracts. If you have AT&T or Verizon and you have an Apple or Android, Samsung, whatever, um, a lot of times they lock your phone so that you can't use a SIM card in another country. So sometimes it's better to buy out of your contract or even to buy like a cheaper smartphone that you can go ahead and throw a SIM card from another country in because it is a lifesaver. It's so convenient to 
just have access to the internet. If you have questions or you're running around looking for a place to eat or you need directions, I'm, I'm definitely a person who says, get off your phone and live your life and experience nature. But as a resource, it makes life so much better to just have access to a SIM card. It'll get you out of sticky situations. It can save you money. It's, it's the smartest thing you can do. Um, just like the, the best tool you can have when traveling abroad. That's also my opinion. That's I think that's the most important because with internet, um, I don't want to sound like, oh, you need internet because there's a lot of people, they want to get away from social media and they want to get away when they travel. They say, okay, I also want to slow down all of that. But um, no matter what, it's like you said, like in Germany, you have the same contracts, locked phones and stuff like that. Um, it's just if you know you're going for long term, buy yourself out of the contract. That's by law. Um, they have to provide it if you leave the country and you're not able to use the contract abroad, what most are not usable there uh, without an extra payment. So then you can, you basically just pay your phone back. That's basically what you do, at least in Germany. And then, um, yeah, you are free to go and then you get it also unlocked. And then, yeah, but a SIM card there necessary or Mm -hmm. like I think that's uh, we agree to that, right? Oh, 100%. It's, it's the best investment that you can make. Yeah. Even um, if it's 40 bucks, I would not really, I don't, I would not mind like, because I know how many times it really saved me and you know, you can just look things up. You don't need to, I mean, it's also nice to ask sometimes, but, um, it's also nice to not sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it depends I mean, where you are. <laughs> I, exactly. Like, I think it's awesome to ask. I think it's great to pull over and, and if you're on a scooter or, or even in a car, and say, try to talk to somebody and, and use your broken English and, and your broken native language and what have you to, to try to get directions and maybe even connect with somebody. But there's times where there's nobody to ask. <laughs> you know, you're in very Well, they don't understand locations. you. <laughs> yeah, or completely have no idea. Or you say, oh, I'm trying to go here, and they just kind of shrug their shoulders and smile, and that's all you can do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think also that's maybe something, um, especially from... Like uh, maybe, I don't want to say Germans, but um, I think there's many people like from uh, Spain or from Italy, France, Germany, um, their English is not that good. And that's a question that pops up in their head always like, but what if my English is not good enough to travel because it's not enjoyable or yeah, what if? But um, that's also something I like to say. It's don't think about it too much because that will come naturally on the way. That's something my English wasn't, I, I don't think it's like perfect, but it, it became pretty good. And um, it was just a natural way because when I started traveling five years ago, my English was good. I was good in school, but then I didn't speak English for a long time and it got super rusty. And um, yeah, it got, it got really quickly, it got better and better. So please don't, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not good to take that as an, um, aspect of, or like a, like a, like a reason why not to travel. Yeah. A hundred percent. I've met people, um, in, you know, from Europe, South America, that they didn't feel super confident in their English and they're like, Oh, I don't want to say too much because my English isn't perfect. And I thought, have you heard native English speakers talk? Their English isn't perfect. I can't tell you how many people in America <laughs> that their, their version of speaking English is not you know, easily understood. I've met tons of Australians. Um, some people really don't like this word. It's a word that I've heard is the term bogan. 
that's a very unique way of speaking English, you know, to all my, to my, to all my Aussie friends out there, all year, nah, year, you know, like how we going, it's, hey boy, hey boy, how are we? <laughs> but I love, I love yeah, the funny. Australian accent. I, I think it's one of the best. Um, I love it. Yeah. I, I would say I've always been complimented on my English, um, but not because it's necessarily sounds good or the accent is good. It's just because I think I kind of talk like a robot. So I'm really easy to understand for non-native speakers because I speak slow. I say every word. Um, that's just how I've always talked. Even my friends in America think that I, I talk kind of different i guess is is the term yeah <laughs> it's really it's 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 nice to listen to let's say that and it's easy to understand i would say but it's not like a robot and <laughs> <laughs> not yet not yet hopefully hopefully in the future we can you know have some robot um you know kind of i i'm, I'm really into technology these days and everything that's going on with artificial intelligence and then elon musk has this uh starlink thing that's going out mm -hmm. getting back to the cell phone you'll be able to have like cell phone reception anywhere on the planet like in the middle of the ocean because of the way these um, satellites and airplanes and things are working so i really think yeah. that that technology is going to change travel um it's going to make it easier for people less scary because they're going to have more resources they're going to have more tools i mean even even nowadays like having the cell phone while traveling can you imagine traveling 10 years ago, 20 years ago? With, with the map, with the map, the old school way? Yeah. Dude, I, I, I mean, I, I wish I would have experienced, yeah, I wish, yeah. because I think that's a different way of traveling. But I'm also happy I hadn't, I mean, you know, I've been in situations where I didn't know where to go and you just had to, because there was also no one to ask and you had to f go with your gut feeling. Mm, but it's, yeah, I think it's also like we are very privileged in the time where we live. And yeah, I think technology makes it easier and easier. But I want to go the other way around. I think it also makes it a little bit because it's easier. It makes it more affordable. It makes it, yeah, like, um, you know, it gets more exposure. Um, it's also not the same like it was because early like let's say 15 years ago if you would say like hey i've been to bali it would be like whoa what bali where is that mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it's in indonesia oh, indonesia where is that yeah and it's like that's what the people would say in germany it's like oh yeah you know um but now it's kind of this normal thing yeah it's like oh, hey you've been it's like beyond normal you tell people you go to bali and they're like oh that's so typical I guess yeah. you know you just go and get lost in Bali, but I feel like that's usually <laughs> that's usually people say that who haven't been there, because like you said, if you get sucked into Kuta, right from the airport, and that's where you spend your time, you've missed out on, you know, not only what Bali can offer, but, yeah, but what the part, neighboring islands can offer too. It, it's a part of it, right? To to get sucked uh, sucked into Kuta and being in this like super. In my opinion, sorry to say that, but disgusting place. It also has cool places to offer or cool, cool, cool spots. But uh, in general, it's just too touristy. It's like this, like Mallorca in um, for Australians, kind of. Yeah. Um, uh, where like uh, the word bogans comes back. 
um, but yeah, I don't want to dive too deep in that. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's also part of it. Like it's it's the same if you go to Bali. It's the same like you go to Ubud, or if you are in Sri Lanka that you go to Ella to uh, to see. Um, how's the rock called? Oh shit! Oh, Adams Adams yeah. Peak. Adams Peak, and then there's Little Adams Peak too. That you should yeah, check out. yeah, yeah. I haven't been on the big one. I've been just on the little one. It's really one. really good. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, it's like, I think it's all about, um, that's what I'm trying also the people to tell. Cause I had a few friends and they don't, didn't know, should I go? Should I not? Should I travel? Um, or should I just stay? I say, if you don't do it now, you have a problem because <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, now you cannot, but as soon as this whole COVID is over, I mean, it's never too late, but, um, if you put it always on the long like on hold and like, yeah, maybe in two years, there is a point where it's just not so easy anymore. Yeah, It is when you are in your, like, let's say mid twenties, I think that's the best because you are a little bit mature. So you know a little bit like, you know, how to behave. And when you're super young, you might, yeah, you're a kid. Yeah. Let's say it that way. But, um, um, you know, when you're like 30, you might get the same feeling I got. You feel more like you want to settle somewhere. Or maybe you have a girlfriend or you're married already. There's a kid on the way. I have it. all of my friends, pregnant kids. Um, yeah, it's it's just, it's possible, but it's not so easy anymore as it was. Yes. Um, that's Yes. It's not impossible. I don't want people to think that you hit a certain age and it's not possible for you to do that. I've, I have several friends that are pushing their late 30s, early 40s that are still living this travel lifestyle. And uh, you just got to find out what works for you, but it definitely gets more complicated as you get older. You know, I I used to make this joke that people like my mom even asked me, she's like, oh, I never thought about traveling when I was young. And I said, well, I want to do it while my legs still work. I want to go to places that don't, that don't have walking paths or sidewalks, you know, because as I get older, I have a feeling I'm going to want to, I'm going to go to more established places that are, you know, more concrete, more asphalt, more elevators, things that mm-hmm. you know you can take me door to door because maybe I won't be as capable as I am today to go run up a, a mountain or you know go surfing in in shallow reefy water because I'm risking yeah. my health and my wellness or riding a motorcycle in Indonesia or Vietnam or India those are those are things that you know as you get older you're like mm, maybe yeah. I don't want to do this right now you know you, yeah, you get also this typical, um, uh, everyone would say, oh, yeah, that's what everyone says. But as older as you get, as more um, careful and, um, yeah, you think twice before you do things. And you do a lot of things because your head tells you not to because you could put yourself into danger. Yes, or um, you've heard more stories from more people that you've met of how things can go wrong. And you're like, yeah. whoa. And that's a- but that's a part of the part of business, yeah. I mean, I had three big scooter accidents. I mean, people cannot see me, but I have a scar in my face, um, on my cheek. It was a scooter accident. Um, I had like an open leg. I had infections. I had reef cuts. I had, um, yeah. I was never in a really serious situation. Maybe, maybe was... some broken hearts, also, yeah. Oh, yeah, I told you. <laughs> the Berlin girl. Nah. No, broken heart is also part of it, you know. Yeah. But that's, that's maybe also something we can mention because, you know, it's if you're abroad, you fall in love. That's also something. I mean, I, I love dating, you know. I love meeting new people. 
And um, but it's also something that's a big part of it um, because your heart will get broken if you spend a lot of time abroad. It will not automatically just get broken by a girl. It will get broken because you don't see your friends, because you miss your family, because of this and but this is just a very short period of time. So especially in the beginning. So in the beginning, you, I mean, I don't know how it was for you, but for me in the beginning, it was like, Poo. you know, I was my own, like, it was a bit harder because of my English. It was a bit harder to connect to people. I was, you know, not like looking always for the conversation, more like being in the background and like listening and this and that. And then when you're home or you may, might get a food poisoning or something and you're like three days in your bed and then it's like it comes all together and it's like and you think about your family, you feel like crying, you know, all this. This is just a very short amount of time. Maybe cry, that's the best way to let it out. And mm -hmm. then after that, the day after you feel great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't I know how, how you feel. I think, you know, people say like, you know, I would not cry in, 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 in public, but sometimes if you're very emotional, it helps you just to get out of it. Because if you keep, if you keep it inside of you, I mean, it doesn't happen to me very often, but I had this, you know, like when you travel a long time, you have this like, your head is about to explode because there's so many things, there's so many feelings in you about like where you are, what to do with your life, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's then also a girl involved. And I think sometimes, you know, just like when you lay in bed, just cry a little bit, scream in your pillow, <laughs> and after you feel great. I, I think, yeah, when you, when you put yourself in a situation where you're away from your friends and your family for a long period of time, I think a lot of things come up and it's, it's a time that you don't, you don't get to do self-reflection. It's almost that you have to, because you yeah. have the allotment of time, you're a little more isolated. Um, and it's a great opportunity because we talk about travel, giving you the opportunity to grow. There are things called growing pains. And there are times that you're going to grow in a way that you didn't necessarily want to grow. You didn't think you needed to work on maybe your temperament or when you find yourself in a new place. Here's a good example. You have a, a personality and a way of being that exists in your, let's say, hometown with your friends. Your, I'm this version of Andrew with this group of friends and my family. And when I went abroad, I brought that same Andrew with me to these different communities and my character flaws came out. And in these very, very honest people, in these very honest groups, nobody let you be an asshole without you knowing it. They were very like, hey, why are you saying this? Why are you doing yeah. this? It was it was very, I call it very Dutch, because I think Dutch people are very blunt. Oh, oh, <laughs> I, I have one. I have one. My, my story connected to yours. Uh, keep, please, keep, please keep going. I yeah, have one. So, I just moved you to the Netherlands recently. Oh, good. Please then you going. know. So anyway, so I, 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 I don't think Dutch people are rude. I don't think it at all. And I, and I think most people will agree with this, but they're very blunt and they're very honest because I think they want to get the bullshit out of the way. And then we can move on being friends. So I've gotten some of the best character advice from Dutch people. And again, it was like, whoa, nobody in America would ever say anything like that to me because every, at least in California, we have this PC culture. You can't say anything. You can't do anything. You can't be critical because you're aggressing people. You're attacking people. And when I was abroad, I'd meet people and they're like, why are you, why do you say this? Why are you being like this? And you'd have, you'd actually have to back up your beliefs. You'd actually have to back up what you think. 
and I think it's a huge opportunity to grow and develop oneself. Okay, so so what? So you just moved to the Netherlands. So you're in Rotterdam. You're surrounded by Dutch people. So what what happened? The shitty weather, rain, <laughs> cold. I mean, by the time we're recording this year is March. Yeah, so it's it's not very pleasant here right now in the Netherlands, especially after five years uh, living in like the sunny side of the world. But yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's good. It's good. I'm happy. I actually, you know, like if you would have asked me one year ago, like one year ago, uh, you would have said, hey, Hagen, um, I see you living in the Netherlands, um, like having like a normal job because that's what I'm doing right now. It's like I'm doing partner management for a tech startup. It's pretty cool. It's a sick job. But um, otherwise, I would not be here. Um, but, you know, I would say like, what, Netherlands? It's cold. Like, I mean, there is surf, but it's not countable for me as a real surf. But uh, and yeah, man, it's it's different. But um, what you said is actually very, very true. Um, you call it Dutch. That's like a, a very honest and straightforward feedback of like, it's not that they want to be rude or like, yeah, they just they just tell you straight away like, hey, that's what they what they don't like. Um, I, I made this experience here as well. Um, yeah. That's um, traveling pains. That's that's always you know you cannot grow yourself without pain. It's mm -hmm. always if you go to the gym, if you study, if it doesn't like even a relationship, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter friendship what it is. It's always connected with pain. Otherwise, you you can't grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that's I think you know that's what people I wanted I don't didn't want to scare people saying like um, you know you maybe sometimes you feel alone and blah, blah, but this is a part like you know it's like um, you don't even want to imagine how many shit situations I was but where I am now I'm happy. Yeah, you know? I I I decided like hey okay Netherlands there's a job rocking up okay. I was in Portugal before. I was surfing. I had like a good, I worked remotely. I had a good income. And uh, then I was like, okay, this job sounds like an opportunity for my career, like a stepping stone. Okay, why not? In, on the, to the airport in COVID times, to the airport, bam, to Rotterdam. And um, then people is like, hey, yeah, but you don't know anyone. But that's all coming. Like that's, you know, it's just the first time I think where you, like think like oh I don't know people and but as longer as you are away from home as less it gets a problem where you are and you will find the sweet spots where to go mm -hmm. what is for me very complicated now it's COVID and I'm in Rotterdam so there is nowhere you can go and meet people um, but usually there's sweet spot to go and I would say hostels right Mm -hmm. that's usually where to go like it doesn't matter which country which city if you go to hostels you meet people and you don't necessarily need to stay there. <laughs> I hope hostels owners, they don't listen to this now because <laughs> you make the places crowded, but you, yeah. you get me, right? Like, I mean that usually most hostels have a bar. So usually yeah, you yeah. can pop this, in and meet some people. Yeah. But you also know these hostels, they don't have a bar and they're getting annoyed by all these crowds hanging out there and <laughs> yeah. not staying there. Yeah. I mean, this is not most likely uh, like the point, but um, yeah. Um, I think that's actually um, where I made most of my friends. Mm -hmm. No, I mean that's um, it's always good. Even now, I was in um, before I came here. I was in in in, um, in Porto in Portugal, mm -hmm. and um, you know.
know, like there was like a hostel, like you said, they had a bar and I went there instead of going to a bar where it's not so, I mean, for me it's easy, but for a lot of people it's not to talk to people. In a hostel it's very easy. Absolutely. It's, it's the environment to put yourself out there. Because if you say, hey, my name's Hagen or hey, I'm Andrew, most people will say, oh, nice to meet you. This is my name. This is where I'm from. This is where I'm traveling, la, la, la. It's a great environment. Um, I also think that you can take those skills that you learn in a hostel, of putting yourself out there, not just with new people, but new people from around the world. And you can take that and carry that into anywhere you go. It's a very empowering skill set to develop and have to be able to go up to anybody in any situation and be able to break the ice and have a conversation and make it feel natural. Um, yeah. yeah, something I missed during COVID times. I felt like I was very isolated. I was living in Hawaii for most of the time. Can't complain at all. It was amazing. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying it was very isolated and I didn't get to scratch that itch of meeting that many new people, which is, you know, I, I love surfing. I love what I do. Um, I love my family. I love my friends. But up there is meeting new people. It's still even, you know, I'm 33 now. That's still something I really love to do because I find, I mean, that's part of why I'm doing this right now because I find it so interesting to dive in and learn about, you know, what makes people who they are and, and as it pertains to travel, you know, what it took for you and all the other people we're going to be talking to to make that leap and do something that all your colleagues and friends and family don't traditionally do, which is, you know, spending time away from home for long, long periods. Um, getting back to the Rotterdam um, life, you, you actually know people in Rotterdam, though. We have a, a mutual friend living in Rotterdam, I believe. Nah, he lives in Amsterdam. You mean Silva, probably, right? No, I do. No, I do. I knew no Silva. I, I thought Silva was in... Uh, Another city, I forget which one. No, no Silva is in Amsterdam, but uh, who is in Rotterdam? Please tell me because I'm, I'm looking for friends. I'm pretty sure it's it's Quinn. Isn't Quinn in Rotterdam? But Quinn, I think, um, I mean, it goes pretty, like, I never I ne never really met him. I mean, we oh. met, I think Quinn was with you when I started. That's how we met, right? That's That was the time where Quinn so, was with you. So Quinn knew Silva and Silva knew you. So I think yeah. Quinn introduced me to Silva and then Silva introduced me to you. Yeah, that's the point, what we just talked about. Like, um, I stayed in a hostel, that's where I met Silva. And then Silva met you, and you asked him to DJ on this gig, what you, what you started in Bali. And then, because I was with him in the hostel, and we DJed there a little bit together, then he asked me to join. And oh, that's, my God. <laughs> that's, that's how it all came up, man. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so a few friends started this uh basically like a promotion company and they would throw events at this bar, give me shelter and Silva would DJ Hagen would DJ. And I came on a little later to start helping out. I was not one of the quote unquote founders by any means. No, me neither. Me yeah. Neither. Yeah. You either. But we threw an event at this like outdoor food court restaurant and our DJ didn't show up. And I walked across the street to, I think it was called like Hostel Chengu or Chengu Hostel. Chengu Surf Hostel. Chengu yeah, Surf man, Hostel. Like. It's, not there, it's not there anymore though, is it? No, 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 no. Now it's Bookie Hostel. Now it's Bookie it's Hostel. the landowner um, took it over. Yeah. So I walk into this hostel. I'd never been there before. And I was like, I think Hagen DJ is here. I don't know. And so I go in and I see you and you are 
you are blasted. You are so drunk. <laughs> and I start talking to you. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, man, can you like help me out? We got this event that's like about to start and our DJ didn't show up. Do you think you could play? And you're like, yeah, yeah, let me just finish this song. And you're like playing this last <laughs> song. Doing, you're like doing the nice transition. And like, I think you're ready to like fade it out, call it a night. And then you come over, you set everything up. I think you play a song or two. And then finally our DJs show up. They were super yeah, yeah, late. I, I remember. Now you say that, I remember. It was also pretty, like, it, I mean, like you said, like I had um, a few drinks before. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I didn't get along with the equipment so well. And I was so happy when the DJ took over and he was like, yeah, he can. But yeah, right. That was the first time. Yeah, yeah that was the first time we like, quote unquote, worked together. And yeah. the, the reason yeah. is, is because because you showed up and did that, like you helped us literally. I know you just came across the street, but. Since you did that, that was what catapulted us to say, like, oh, we should have him play at these Gimme Shelter events with Silva, you know? So that's where we started doing that. Th those those yeah. events were so fun. I had such a good time doing those yeah. things. And, you, man, I kept that going. It was over, like, you left. Mm -hmm. I think we, we did, like, three, four sessions together. Mm -hmm. So it was every, every first Friday a month. And I think, like, until, like, four sessions you guys were in. Yeah. And I kept it going for, for almost another year. Like, I, I think it did like one year and two months, one year and four months, something like that. That is so great. I'm so glad that yeah. event kept going just because it was so fun. And we would have like a lot of the expat community come out and join. Um, a lot of the local boys that we knew would come out and hang out. It's just, yeah. those, are, those are just some of my best memories because we, I feel like the party life definitely started to decline and most of us got wrapped up and some of them were starting new businesses and everybody was, you know, sometimes some people started a new relationship and our kind of our friend group started kind of spreading out a bit more. Um, but everybody would still go to those events. And that's yeah, what yeah. I always thought. But was the, the thing cool. is, it, it became really like, it, just side information, but uh, it, it became really lame, let's say. <laughs> like it was really hard to, no, no, it was really hard to get people in. And it was not really successful, but they said like, you know, do um, they, I mean, it was a rock bar, like a pure rock and metal bar. Uh, and they were like super happy with what I did and the commitment um, I showed. And that's why they kind of let me, let me let me do what I wanted to in there, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think those kind of events it helps when you have multiple people helping out. So the fact that you were running yeah. it by yourself for several weeks or several I'm sorry, several months, um, you know, it's a testament to you and your work ethic. Um, and it's like I still have very fond memories of it. But it was it was never an event that made really any sense because, like you said, it was a hardcore rock and roll, sometimes even like a death metal bar. That yeah, we you would... remember what you you know what it reminded me to to from uh, the the movie from dusk till dawn 100%. to the titty twister bar. <laughs> it was just like that. It was really rough. It was not the kind of place you would expect to go to. But once a month on Friday, we'd rent it out like I think it was like eight p.m. or ten p.m. until however long, and we'd be playing ten to late. Yeah, ten yeah, to late. We'd be playing house music, and it would just be a totally different vibe, and it was sick. I had so many so many good nights there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've been yeah, but man, we've been chatting hmm? here almost an hour and a half. Is yeah. there is there anything that you want to cover? You know, while I still got you, or anything you want to share with the people? No, man. I think we went across all kinds of topics. I mean, what I you know, like, I'm really happy that you asked me to um, when you messaged me. It's like, hey, uh, because it was actually quite funny because I was thinking um, about 
something yeah and then you messaged me like out of a sudden like haven't talked to each other for a really long time and it's like hey dude like um would you be keen to talk in a podcast i think you reacted to a story of mine and then you asked me hey you want to talk in a podcast and you know um i'm really really happy to encourage people to get out and explore and um i think that's also in the last um that's going to be a few words but um you know it's like take the chance if you can if you have people telling you um about all these things you have to consider and hey and you know they most likely they will show you just negative points but once you're out there once you 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 did that step you decided i go i sell my stuff you know don't necessarily need to because i didn't even know how long i wanted to be away i told my friends as more stuff i sold i was like oh i'm getting this weird feeling and i don't know if i really stay for that long but i will leave and if i come back after 3 months if i mean 3 months is really if you want to stay long away try to do it longer than 6 months because the first 6 months are that's the the pain months where you have a lot of points touching points where you get tired of it you get uh, emotional you get sad because you miss friends and family and but if you stay over that um you know then you get to this point where it just feels good and um i don't actually know anyone who regret and that was also for me i say like if i come back after 3 months i tried you know i i i left and i decided it was nothing for me but i really want to say like try over the 6 months cuz that's where a lot of people leave already and usually it gets as longer as you stay away as better it gets <laughs> that's exactly what i um, that's what i think how i feel and um yeah if i'm always up for questions if someone has serious uh travel questions i mean i don't know if you link my account somewhere in instagram or whatever just drop me a message Yeah, um, I mean I'll, I cannot handle a lot but I hope <laughs> I hope hey man if this podcast goes really <laughs> uh, through the roof then I have a problem then I'm uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah well it'll be a That's good also, it'll I be a good yeah it'll be a yeah. good problem for all of us to have and I'll definitely link all your information in the bio and yeah. people can reach nah, out Yeah I'm happy to help out and I think that's also part of traveling right Andrew so if you travel you learn how it is when you are in a miserable situation and you're very happy to help people and even if it's you know taking time for 2 minutes to respond to a message um that doesn't cost me a lot of time but it might be a good influence to that person mm-hmm. um you're speaking to and um it gives them maybe the necessary or like the the missing drive to do what they might want but don't know yeah okay absolutely i think um there's we we talk about the the value of money we talk about the value of you know assets but we also need to talk about the value and the currency of relationships and i think mm. keeping people that you've met and had experience with in your life keeping in touch with them it's never too late to reach out to people you haven't talked to in a really long time um because there's so many things that you can offer each other um insight you've you've done a lot of the same things you've been to a lot of the same places um you can kind of lean on each other for perspective and hopefully which i hope all the travel friends of the world get to do is you get to visit your friends in their home country 
and you get to host each other. Um, cause I think that's a really magical experience when somebody comes to visit you in your home country or vice versa, and you get to take them in your backyard, you know, and, and take them to the restaurant that you always go to or buy them the stereotypical German food or Dutch food, you know, <laughs> that's always, and oh, while you're in the Netherlands for me, please go have a stroopwafel. I have, I'm addicted. I love a those what? things. A stroopwafel? You don't know what a stroopwafel is? No, no, no. I don't. Oh my gosh, you're gonna! I'm gonna change your life. We walk outside and just ask somebody. They'll point down the street. There'll be like a strop waffle place for sure. Strop waffle. Okay, okay. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I have some waffles at home because the Italian girl that gave me the flat, um, she left some waffles there and she took them to Italy. It probably is it like crack like hard waffles. It's they're not hard. Soft. They're they're super flat, thin waffle, and right in between it is some caramel or caramel, depending how you like to say it. Um, I, but the, I see. I yeah, know. the best one is go to like, a, I don't know what's going on with COVID in the Netherlands. I hear it's very strict, but usually at like a weekend market, you can go and there's a guy making like a dish, like a dinner plate size one. And it's <laughs> like, it's like two, one or two euro. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's not good for you. It's not healthy, but it's, it is good for the but soul. But it's good. So, yeah, if it's not healthy, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not good sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Hagen, with that, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this and um yeah everybody have a good day yeah man thank you very much for having me and uh thanks for uh, all people listening and uh yeah safe travels awesome safe travels man take care all right yeah you too bye-bye man right. bye-bye everybody